0: Welcome back to like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host Chris Ward. Uh, this week's episode is with the one and only Bruce Kittle. We're bringing him back on the show and honestly every time I sit down and talk with Bruce uh, for the podcast or not for the podcast um, it is usually up there in some of my favorite conversations of all time Um Bruce is always so like wise and just kind of open up to talking about any topic, but always has these wonderful thoughts and really good ways of communicating um, these positive ideas. Um, I think, honestly, one of the biggest benefits of starting this podcast way back when I did was being able to go back and, and talk with people and have like deeper conversations with people that maybe I hadn't seen in, in a few years or, or, you know, when I get to bring on people I haven't met yet and I get to kind of like pick their brains or like share stories about their adventures. Um, but with Bruce, it really, it's really been cool because it's been an excuse to kind of reach back to one of my mentors that I had in my early twenties, uh, that really meant a lot to me. And I think like as a young man, kind of going through that weird phase of like entering adulthood, I guess, you know, Uh, like the college age phase, right? I think I was probably like, I want to say I was probably like 20 maybe when I met Bruce. Uh, But you're like looking around at the adults around you and you're trying to like, you're starting to realize like, oh, like people live their lives in different ways. You know, you're trying to be like, okay you know how do i want to live my life you know what will i be like as an adult and as you're looking around and you start having these mentors or these people in your lives who are adults you're kind of like you start looking for these lessons that you you pull and you're like okay what are some um like i think so, you do this kind of like even subconsciously but you're like looking for people's strengths and wisdom. Um, you're looking at like non-examples like, Oh, well, I definitely don't want to do that when I'm older and things like that. And I know for me personally, um, there was just so much I admired about Bruce, uh, during that time in my life and still do there's so much that I still absolutely admire. So, um, I think to me doing this podcast has been really important for many reasons. Um, but in this sense, uh, it's been really cool to be able to reach back out and still kind of continue this mentorship, which I, uh, you know, has been absolutely, you know, a life changing one. So, um, so I'm very excited to share this episode. Uh, and I will say this, cause I think y'all need some more wisdom in your life. Um, I, advise you to go check out Bruce's podcast with his daughter, Emma, who's been on the last few times he's been on, um, who's amazing. Uh, It's called Hidden Pearls Podcast. Um, And I've been doing this because life's getting kind of crazy again, kind of crazy busy as school starts. I'm in the middle of my first week. I'm finishing it up right today. Um, And when it gets busy, I'm just sometimes I can fall into like a go, 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 go mentality. Like there's so much to do at all times. Uh, And their podcast Hidden Pearls has this really cool kind of tool with it where basically Bruce every Monday does mindful Monday. And it's kind of like the Bruce Kittle sermon slash mindful meditation moment. Um, And they're all about 15 minutes long. And I think to me, I've been doing them uh at least once a week, if not a few times, just to kind of like take that break, you know, start afresh, kinda like give myself a second to just sit and breathe and um and also just listen to some wisdom from my friend. So uh I think it's awesome. I highly uh recommend you all checking that out. But all right, let's get right into it. Uh, This is like a Bigfoot podcast with the one and only. Oh, I didn't even mention why he's on the show this time. Hold on. So Bruce over the last year decided he's going to get into triathlons because he's always kind of had an interest in doing it. And he thought to himself, you know what? 64 years young. That's the time to do it. The time is now. Uh, and he has raced and completed two triathlons at this point, and I really wanted to hear about what that experience was like. Uh, So anyways, let's jump right into it. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 348 with Bruce Kittle. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am honored once again to be joined by one of the like I don't know how else to put it, Bruce, except I try not to use the word awesome too much and I definitely use it way too much, but you're truly an awesome human being. Um, I'm so glad that I get the chance to sit down and talk with you and um, kind of like, you know, just get wisdom from you. And I'm, I'm honored to have you back on the show. Um, so welcome back, Bruce Kittle to the podcast.
1: Chris, it is great to be here. We've uh, been following you for a long time, and you've been kind of trucking into this field long before we did, and so it's really fun to see your own progression and the guests you're doing and your focus and all that kind of stuff, and so it's super fun. It's really a really cool way for us to stay in touch a little bit, you know, from way back in West High Junior Highs and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> and so it's been pretty cool. So, like, uh, the whole family's been growing up together, including yours, so congratulations on that, Yeah. and I think you must run like 100 miles a day because all I see is <laughs> mountain pictures and lake pictures and all that stuff, so... Kudos to you. I, I don't have that kind of mileage in me, so. But that's
0: it's great. not. It's not 100 miles per day. Nor is it running. Sometimes. Sometimes I'd call it a, a fast shuffle. You know. Oh, very good. Yeah. <laughs> that's,
1: that would be my. That's my max. Is a fast shuffle. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Really good. But well, anyway, it's great. Great to be on. Thank you. I'm
0: extra excited. You're now a triathlete, and I'm so excited to dive in. But at first, I have to. I have to point out elephant in the room. We're wearing the same shirt. That's pretty weird. And yeah. I don't think that's ever happened before on the podcast i made a last minute decision my wife bought me this shirt year one of tight end you to support support the whole uh endeavor and i was psyched and i think it's such a cool idea um and i was like last minute decision putting on tight end you well i'm out here because
1: i've been gone for four days or five and so i'm like 200 emails behind so i'm coming out i'm sitting here working and then jan comes out she goes hey Don't you have a podcast in like 10 minutes? I go, oh, yeah. I got a tank top on. She goes, why don't you put a shirt on? So I go in, try with her in pearls. And she goes, ah, no, do something else. And then I was going to wear the one from the last triathlon because that was kind of cool. But I wore it while I was gone, so it's in the wash. So this was sitting there. So I just, I really, I literally grabbed it, came in and sat down, put the mic up. And there we were. We both had the same shirt. So telepathically,
0: we are united. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally, man. No, that's, that's hilarious. Um, so you don't,
1: you don't have the Chubby's pineapple. Seed, I
0: don't, I don't, all I have is yeah. This is the year three model. So yeah. You got the year three, the updated. I want to hear a little bit about that too. Uh, okay. cause there was some sweet pictures and I'm like, man, Bruce is back out there coaching it up. And I thought it was super cool.
1: You know, that was really, really fun. You know, the, um, you know, of all the things in my life that I've done coaching football, um, there's just such a unity within the team. You know what I mean? And everybody's kind of we're all stroking in the same direction, trying to accomplish, you know, get better, win games, all that kind of thing. And then just working with, you know, young people like that in that kind of capacity, whether it's junior high, well, fourth and fifth grade and sixth grade, (laughs) seventh and eighth, you know, and then. High school and all that kind of stuff in college and all that and even the nfl so having a chance to work with the tight end you guys so at the end of each one you know, of the work days you know we saved about 45 minutes for some run game and that was really fun because you know george's the barn out there we've got a turf field now um and so he typically has 10 to 15 mostly nfl tight ends but some o-line guys as well we typically just stay with offense that's another conversation but anyway and uh, and we do about 45 minutes of O-line stuff out there. So that it's been really super fun. And I've learned a lot, too, because, you know, these guys comes in and they've been playing for six, seven, eight years. Yeah. And so just, you know, how they do things and all that kind of thing, it's been really cool to kind of exchange that. But, yeah, that was really fun. And it amazes me, and I won't mention any names, but just, uh, you know, these are some of the really lead tight ends and how little they've had an opportunity to work on the run game. It's just not a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it really depends on what offense they're in. You know some of the offenses they're not asked to do that. You know so, um, you know like the Chiefs. We just had Travis Kelsey on our podcast and that's coming out in another week or so. But oh sweet, was, I can't wait. Tra- yeah, and Travis was you know he said that his first couple years under Coach Reed, you know they were kind of in line and they got Pat, and then they got Patrick and everything changed. You know so he goes, yeah he goes you know three or four times with my hand down a game is plenty for me. You know you are like. <laughs> You know, and of course it's very different than like the Niners and the Ravens and those kind of guys. So it's just a different animal. So, but anyway, super fun to work with young players who were super excited
0: and trying to get into the game. So
1: really, that was really fun.
0: Well, I have to ask you about this legendary story I heard, which was, uh, back when you were coaching, like must've been fourth, fifth, sixth, middle school, whatever, younger age where, uh, you coming from a lineman background, uh, decided, uh. That you're gonna convince these kids that being a lineman is the best position in football, which it is. But like, cause I agree as a fellow lineman, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but like classically, especially for these young kids, they want the the fortune and glory, you know, of scoring touchdowns and catching the ball, or and you convince them, you like brainwash them into thinking the line was the greatest position ever, and I loved that so much.
1: Yeah, that was that's a true story. So I some, I think it was either, I think it was seventh grade. I had the whole crew there and I go, listen, guys, I know all of you are going to want to play offensive line, but unfortunately not everybody's going to get to. So we're going to have a competition and then those guys are going to play O-line and then everybody else you're going to have to play either wide receiver, running back or quarterback. And they were like, literally they're fighting to play offensive line. It was great. I got a call from one of the parents. They're like, what, what is going on? My kid, like he wants to play a center. I go, yeah, what's the problem? You know, like they couldn't quite <laughs> grasp it. So anyway, and then when we we put the positions in and then people had to be, the. and I still remember George's buddy, Andrew Topping. I don't know if you remember him or not. Oh, I do. Then, yeah. Yeah. Andy had to be the quarterback. He's, he was so mad. I mean, <laughs> you know, it was really great. So yeah, I had him kind of convinced until they got in ninth grade and then they started kind of connecting the dots and they're like, coach. Like, what do you like? That's a, What are you, you talking know, anyway. about, man? Yeah, but anyway, we opened. Everybody did dry blocks. Everybody did everything. We did all the we did all the O line individuals drill, and then we do a little bit of the other stuff later. But yeah, so they all it was pretty cool.
0: That that's genius. That's genius. Well, before we talk about triathlon, just stay on the football topic. Like, what is it about the sport that has kept you invested as like a lifelong pursuit or like a lifelong passion?
1: Well, you know, it's, I guess I'd explain it a little bit, you know, for me. And if you're not a yogi, I guess, you know, you might not understand, but like, you know, you can learn the moves in yoga and kind of the technical side of how to do it and all that kind of stuff. But it's like your body changes and adapts as well as your breath and then do the mental state and what you bring to it. And so, like, every time on the mat is a new experience. Um, and your body continues to evolve and grow and change. And so, yes, you can, you're more flexible and you get stronger. Uh, but yet there's a lot more depth to it in that way. And I think for me, football's continued to be that kind of game. You know, it's like especially interior line play, but you know, even the back end, I mean, everything, there's so many subtleties from foot position, hand placement, you know, how you're doing it. And then I think one of the things I really love is the training and kind of recovery yeah. stuff. Everything has evolved so much over the even just the last five years, it has really changed. And the game of football has continued to evolve and change to to meet and keep up with, I think, the players. And then the coaches, I mean, there's just so many brilliant young coaches in the game doing so many creative things with really talented players. So it's just its always kind of, you know, you're always trying to catch up and you're always learning more stuff. And so the more I'm around players and, you know, yeah, but if this happens, try this and doing all that kind of stuff. And, you know, D-line coaches, they're all crazy maniacs. And so they do all that crazy ass shit, you know. And so, like, if you're on the O-line, you're always, you know, countering blitzes and picking all that yeah. stuff up. And so, you know, I, I was telling the story the other day when I was at Lipscomb. um so we work on you know the, we had the five guys and they were like a power of your team before we got there and then we went to kind of more of a zone thing when kind of a spread but anyway in our our zone game and so we had a call you know if they shifted over the safety rolled down and they brought the sand backer in and they looked like they were going to blitz so we'd watched it on tape and all, we practiced it right so we had a call that brought all five guys into a full zone and then yeah. the tackle would go out on the strong safety anyway we had an outside zone call and my right tackle who thought he was going to be a linebacker. Not, but anyway, that's another story. Anyway, (laughs) he makes the call and I hear it and I see it, but then you're like, what the hell? Anyway, all the guys, they open, everybody runs. He picks up the strong safety. We go for about 45 yards in the backside corner, drags our guy down, you know? And it was like, like of all the things I've done in my life, it was like, you worked it in practice. We watched (laughs) it on tape. Yeah, You know, we made him identify it. And then here's a group of high school kids. And I had like I had a sophomore yeah once starting sophomore everybody was juniors and one senior and like they'd never really done any of the stuff that we'd been doing and so for those guys to recognize the defensive front the stunt that was coming and then to actually execute the play and the running back got it too because they made the call and then we had a signal for the running back to you know yeah yeah reading the tackle on the on the strong safety and by god if he didn't do it and shot it out there and it was like damn this is so much fun you know what it works so (laughs) I don't know. Like, those are the fulfilling things. You know, you see stuff yeah. on tape, you know, like we put a little inside trap in when we got into the playoffs, we hadn't run it all year and we just crushed people with it. So it's just the little nuances, yeah. trying to read what defenses are doing. And then I, I just love the the process of coaching the players, you know, yeah. helping them with the technique. Yeah. And then each, each player is unique too, because they, you know, they have their insecurities, what they can do, they can't do. And then helping them kind of grow into themselves, especially in high school, but it's true in college too. And it's, you know what, people wouldn't but it's true in NFL as well. You know, yeah. guys have great athletic ability, but then you're thrown in there. There's things that, you know, people don't do everything really well. And so they're trying to overcome that. So the whole mental game as well as building confidence, understanding how to do it, getting the reps in, working on the technique, all that kind of stuff. So it just always evolving and changing and each player is a little bit different. So just kind of, it's like always putting a little puzzle together all the time. And it just, you know, I guess for my personality, it just always, you know, there's one more thing you can do to kind of try to get a little bit better. Yeah. And then, and then what I love about it is, you know, like, you know, I've been a lawyer and all that, and I guess you have trials and all that kind of stuff, but it's beautiful because you work all week and then you play a game Yeah. and like, how'd the coaches do prepping? Did we get there, you know, and did we teach it right? And did the kids execute it? It's, and it's just such a wonderful kind of process and the energy of it and all that kind of stuff. And let alone the fans and plus just the game itself for me is just, you know, I've always loved it. So anyway, long ramble there. Yeah, uh,
0: no, I think it's so incredibly rewarding. It's hard because like, you know, I'm an educator too. And there is this moment where you see the light bulb go off exactly and you don't like it's hard to like you just see it and you see the kid get it and they understand and that is the thing that draws you back and back because you're like this kid got this understood this because he had guidance and like i don't know it's just really cool to see the process that goes into it
1: yeah very much so and it's with education with just life and that's the beauty of it too because you know is there you know high school and college both are really transformative years obviously, for yeah. as they're growing up, the maturation process, learning about themselves, and then interfacing, what is my role in society, culture, and all that kind of stuff. And so you're kind of, you're juggling all of that as well. You know, it's not directly on the field, but like if a kid's having a hard time at home, you know, it shows up on the field or in practice, same thing, you know, girlfriends or partners and all that kind of stuff, and same thing with school. So yeah. you're really helping them try to learn to juggle all that kind of stuff, deal with anxiety, and you know, and like you know, I always taught meditation. You know, my you know the last few jobs. You know, like we do breath work and meditation and visualization before games and even in film work and all that kind of stuff. And so, just trying to teach them a skill set that is applicable not just to the football game but to life in general.
0: Yeah. Well, and to speak just real quick, and then we'll we'll get into the triathlons and stuff. But speak from my experience, like I think I knew you when I was like twenty or like twenty one, like a young kid, right? And I think just the way you showed up every day with like enthusiasm and passion and excitement and wisdom, it just, it was so obvious and it instantly made me like look up to you. And I think you probably didn't even mean to do that. You know, like you were out there trying to inspire these kids to play football and stuff. But like just doing that, that just the way you showed up was to me like something that was incredibly inspiring and I, I will always appreciate that
1: well i appreciate you saying that so that's certainly the thing is you know i think i always want my you know players to feel i guess love you know is the right word for me i don't know if you know but i mean it's since like like we care about you as a person we want you to grow we want yeah. you to be a great football player and so just trying to wrap all that in and treating players with respect and all that kind of stuff and helping them become
0: the people that you know the seem totally. to be yeah 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 well so i want to get into triathlons real okay. quick uh, you um took on and conquered your first two triathlons <laughs> at the uh, at 64 years young i have to say yeah. 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 yeah yeah and so i wanted to hear like what what inspired you to do that like you i guess to speak to your like college career as a football player as a lineman you know we're working really incredibly hard for five seconds max right. uh and then to go from that kind of workout and then you know eventually doing a triathlon which is endurance is kind of a different kind of thing like what inspired you to get into that
1: yeah you know i, I just i've had some people you know over the last 10 push you know that i knew that kind of got into it and they were doing ironmans <laughs> and all that kind of stuff and then I honestly it was like last fall and um I don't know what I was watching or something, but, you know, I saw somebody and they were 60, whatever, you know, and I was just like, you know, I keep telling myself I want to do this. And like, if not now, when, and if not who, you know, if not me, who, you know? (laughs) So I just like, okay. So then I kind of waited for last season to get over. And then in February, you know, picked out a triathlon and, you know, just set the date and, you know, I didn't really have any clue what I was doing at all, you know? So, and we can kind of talk about that, but so I just, it was just a decision to, you know what, you know, my body's <laughs> ain't getting any younger and there's some things I do. And, I, you know, the other thing, though, it wasn't like I I felt like I was coming out of nowhere because, like, I've been biking and swimming my whole yeah. life. You know, I swam in, all the way through my junior year in high school from being six years old, so I've always swam. Uh, and then, most recently, I mean, I biked hard for the last 15 years, you know, so yeah. that's, those two, I mean, I didn't really feel too bad. Those distances aren't terrible. You know what I mean? Ocean swimming's a little bit different and then doing the bike after the swim obviously is different and all that kind of stuff. Uh so it was really just bringing the run back in. And I mean, like when I got done playing football as I was losing weight, I went from like two ninety down to two forty in a couple of years, and it took a while to get down to two twenty-five. But um man, I, I ran yeah. all the time every day, all the time. So and now it's more of a kind of just uh, you know, my knees are a little bit more painful and all that kind of stuff. So I haven't been running a lot. So I don't know, just kind of decided to do it and watch some YouTube videos and <laughs> talk. And then one of the um I was pretty fortunate too. I had a uh, young guy that uh, I knew his dad in Iowa. He was another criminal defense lawyer and he um, out of college turned pro in the Ironman stuff. And so I've been doing some mental prep stuff with him just to kind of, you know, work on some things and all that kind of thing. So I had a bit of a resource there. And then another friend I had, she'd done quite a bit of it the stuff as well. So there were some people out there at least touch base. And so you can learn anything on YouTube and that, but, the other thing i will just say for folks if anybody's thinking about it like everybody's body is so different yeah. you know about how we respond and recovery and what people recommend so there is all that but like everybody that was talking to me was like 25 to 45 you know what i mean like that's who's really communicating on how to do things um so in the second one my training was really different and it's yeah. so it was kind of interesting but anyway we can get into all that so that was it was just one of those things i wanted to be able to check the box and um and i got one you know this last one and then there there's actually another one back in california just the schedule didn't work on the 26th in santa barbara i, I really was and I, get, I got the family look like don't even think about it you know because we're too close <laughs> to football. it just was yeah the schedule didn't work out for us but so anyway but they're super fun to do and i love you know once you do them um the community of folks it's just such yeah. a collegiality around the whole thing everybody's helping everybody and you know, you got your top 10%, you know, men and women who are like f- f- super lightning fast. And then you got the in-betweeners and then you got the people there for the, and you don't know who's who. So you got the sprint relays, right? So the super short ones, and then they're only doing one leg of it. So it's like, you know, a quarter mile swim and like it's super short, but they're all, everybody's in the same group, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's, it's kind of cool that way. So it's, it's really fun though. I've the collegiality and just the camaraderie is a really cool thing within the group.
0: Yeah. I always think it's cool with endurance races. Um, how you're competing like even like you show up and you're competing against the elites technically you know like you're right. you're there you get to line up with them and you get to go out and and granted you don't see them after the first five seconds but right. you get to go out and you know i'm like you know how often are we able to do that like i don't get to go out and play basketball with like lebron james and stuff you know what i mean That's, so it's yeah it's really cool it's like and you get to see them at the start line you get to observe how they're preparing And, you know, a lot of times they hang out at the end too, and you get to sit down and chat with them and, and see how it went. And it's like, everybody's in the same boat, you know? Yeah, exactly. We're all doing the
1: same, you know, for the most part, doing the same race, same distances. We've all gone through the same stuff and just some people are a little faster at it, (laughs) which is cool. You know, it's okay. So, you know, like my whole thing was just, you know, I want to finish and do my best and not get hurt, not hurt anybody else. That was kind of the only, you know, (laughs) cause, and you know, each Each race is a little different but they all have time frames with you have to complete that segment you know what i mean so yeah i didn't feel too you know i wasn't i mean the run i guess maybe but like even that one i did pretty good on so it wasn't too big a deal yeah but yeah it is really fun to be around you know those top ends yeah the last one i just did the guy that got i can't i didn't quite he either got first or second i wasn't quite sure at the end but had the super you know smoking hot bike you know all the deals you know the the (laughs) helmet that was all this and the and pointy mostly, helmet, the backwards yeah, pointy helmet. Yeah, they were dynamic, <laughs> and everybody came up. Hey, you know Tim, how's it? You know, yeah, what are you doing? Like you were, they just saw him at another race, and blah blah blah. You know that, so it was fun. He was right next to me, so we were kind of chatting on the thing and all that shit. So, but it is really cool, and they're all, for most part, all really seem like great people. Yeah,
0: you know, so it's been really fun. Yeah, I think there's something weird about doing an endurance race and having to suffer through it that yeah. makes a person a better person. And I'm, I'm kind of like, is this why I started the podcast? Like I'm trying to explore that whole idea or like through adventure as well. But I haven't quite figured out exactly what it is yet, you know, but I find that commonality amongst a lot of these people.
1: Yeah. There's a performance coach. His name's Chris Hoth. He's out in California. So he works with Rich Roll and a few of the folks, some people might recognize him, but anyway, but his motto thing, you know, for his work is self-discovery through endurance sports. Yeah. And that's really what he does you know and so he kind of talks he does a lot of life coaching within his context you know and so um and it, he really does talk about kind of the sport and then you got the family piece and then the work piece and then how to balance all those kind of things and so uh he talks a lot about that but i i think there's a lot of truth to that you know anytime that we press ourselves to accomplish goals or to endure things physically that we never endured or hadn't done yet so you don't know that you can for sure do it and it's it's half you know half the discovery is what does your body do and your mind when you reach a wall that you've never climbed over? Yeah. And that, and really that's the beauty of it. And so, you know, I just think that's part of life is, you know, continually trying to put those things in front of you in a way, you know, whether it's reading a new series of books or finishing a new class or getting a different certification or whatever it might be for you in your life. And these kind of things, I think, and for me, you know, being, you know, I grew up like, my mom dropped me at during the summer at summer swim team, right. Just to get rid of me for at least half a day for years. And I, you know, I was always at the pool doing all that kind of stuff. And so like, right away, like there's, you know, whining, like go swim 500 yards, you know, like, that's just what they do to you right away. So you just learn how to grind. And, you know, then I was a wrestler and then a football player. And so, you know, that's just what you do. And so the physical thing is just, and so for me, and you know, it's really interesting. I was listening to a podcast and it was um, it was a writer producer and he was talking about how he learned to go for walks and he talked about his relationship with his body like super creative he's written all these movies and all this kind of stuff he was kind of in the comedic realm and all that kind of thing but he was talking about just like going for a half hour walk was really a struggle for him and he's just never had that kind of relationship with his body everything's been because he wasn't really fast and he wasn't you know and so he's always kind of at high school and all the jocks and all that and i i get that and so he kind of poo-pooed all the that stuff but he was just talking about trying to get back into working out taking care of his body and I just for me that was so foreign because I I've really Mm -hmm. and I think for most of the people I hang out with it's like we've experienced life through our body like yeah you know there's an you know it's not like I'm watching I'm I'm doing I'm being you know into it and so whether it's climbing a mountain or swimming or biking or whatever it's like the event in and of itself is kind of both a self-expression as well as kind of how I experience life, the wind going by, you know, my heart pounding, my legs cramping, you know, whatever it <laughs> is. So anyway, so all those things kind of work together. So, but I think there's a lot to that self discovery piece. And that was really true for me in this, this thing as well, you know, as old as I am and I've done a few things, uh, but you know, it, it was really an interesting experience for me.
0: Yeah, no, that's really interesting because describing experience life through the physical also, you know, I just, I've never heard anyone put it that way, but it's so true to me too. And it is challenging to me because I'm like, man, that's the way, like, cause it's the way I know I'm like, that's the way to do it. You know, that's the way yeah. to like, to do this and, and be happy and be content and all this. But, you know, there, there are probably other ways as well. But for me personally, like the easiest way to access, I guess, like space in my life, you know, yeah. is by going out for a run or riding the bike and just being outside you know i i to for me personally like that's what allows me to give myself space that i need to like figure out life's stuff you know yeah
1: well for a long time until i really got into meditation and mindfulness and yoga like you know, I couldn't get the voices in my head to shut up. So I was just <laughs> exhausted. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, like, like it's just a, you know, there, everything's grinding and the wheel was turning like all the time. And so, if I got tired enough, it like there was a break. You know, and it was just like sheer mm-hmm. exhaustion was like that pause, just like you said. You know, it was a, a way to find space, really, to not think. Yeah, know? and and out of the not thinking, then honestly, that's where some of the clarity comes. You know, if we can, if we can kick things into neutral somehow. You know, our internal system will reveal things to us if we can be silent enough to listen, but a lot of times we can't. But that's, for me, that's one of those things, the endurance effort and the fatigue, quiet. So when the body gets super quiet, then it helps my mind quiet. And then when my mind's quiet, then my internal sources can speak. I don't yeah. know if that makes any sense to people, but anyway. That's no, all right. totally.
0: That totally man. well, so, you know, being a being also in meditation and being in that kind of, um, I, I don't know, not field, but you know being being in that kind of uh, area of life as well, do you find that there's a lot of crossover between these two things? Because you know, I've done meditation, I've done yoga, um and it's similar in the fact that it does cause cause you to be able to to quiet that mind, I guess,
1: yeah. and so you know I think the thing for me. Um, when I first started meditating and doing yoga, yoga for me was kind of like, I started going to hot yoga and it was like how hard you could go and all that, you know, and I was kind of
0: missing the point. It took a long time. Did you do that one in Iowa city? The, uh, dude, I would go in there before (laughs) I would go in before classes in college and I would, I don't know what would happen. I don't know if I was like just completely dehydrated or if it was the magic of yoga or probably both but I would like sit in my classes and be like, this is crazy.
1: <laughs> that's, the, that's the yoga high. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> the, the hot yoga is a whole nother animal, but like, and that's really true. So if you can go into it and you do get exhausted and the, and it's kind of the cleansing because you sweat so much.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, And then the quietness and all that kind of stuff. So I think though, you know, the, the clarity of mind, one thing I've learned, so there's a thing in meditation called spiritual bypassing. And so one of the things I think for me that I learned is that the fatigue and the way I used my body, when I got so tired, I, I did quiet my mind, but I kind of silenced it too in a way. And by that, I mean like some of the things that I probably needed to give space to, you know, things I felt angry about or think, you know, those emotional things, or I had thoughts that were disturbing, you know, like troubling me and all that. It, there's a balance between getting so sucked in that you get pulled away versus how do I, in a neutral mm. capacity hold space for these issues in a way that I can sort through them. Yeah. Because in my younger years, it was more about just pushing them down the road, you know, so I get tired. Avoidance. Avoidance, you know, and I really don't want to face it. And so if I get super tired by working out really hard, then that voice isn't talking to me. And so I don't have to deal with it. So I, I guess I would say, you know, my maturation and meditation over the last 10 years has really been, you know, creating space for those issues to emerge and those emotions and feelings. And just knowing that, you know, thoughts are just thoughts and feelings are just feelings, but we can't just suppress them. You know what I mean? So they don't have to control our lives. They're not us. They just, you know, the mind just kicks shit out, you know what it does. And so, but you know, you're not your thoughts and you don't have to follow your thoughts and alert. Not all your thoughts are true. You know, like your mind lies to you all the time. And so, and the emotions we have, you know, it's like, I think a lot, like, I just remember like, you know, like being around families and like young kids, you know, like they have emotions, they don't know any different except to express them. And then we we discipline them because a two year old's upset. You know what I'm saying? And like, yes, I do. As the dad of three kids, like, it's, I'm oh with it. God, know? and it's like there's this balance between, okay, honoring the anger or whatever emotion the kid's feeling, and not conditioning the love and the affirmation they get based on them behaving in a certain way because all they're doing is being authentic. Yeah. And I think you get a pass until like five or six, right? Being like authentic means just saying what the hell I want and trying to get it. You know, that's what little kids do and trying to love them in a way that doesn't force them not to be who they are, yeah. doesn't, you know, condition it on behaving in a certain way. And And I think that happens to us in life as well. As you get older, there's this conflict between being accepted and connecting to other people versus living your authentic life. And like we learn over time as we grow. Culture and society, school, family, whatever, friends, they teach us, like, if you do X, Y, Z, we're not going to let you in the group, or you're going to get rejected, you're going to get picked on, whatever, and so then we lose this authentic self, and losing our authentic self and wearing masks and being somebody we're not is almost as painful as being rejected, and so there's this constant kind of conflict. So, anyway, I digress, but learning to be the authentic self, you know, that's where, you know, we talk about knowing the self, well, that's the first step of the fourth parts of the self is knowing the self you got to deal with your bullshit you know like and that's really it and so that's where meditation I think has really been helpful is like doing that and then when things pop up not getting like pulled in but seeing it being curious not judging you know I guess I am a little pissed off about what happened yesterday with so and so okay and then asking what's going on why and learning more about that whole situation and then figuring out who do I want to be in that situation in the future? And how can I handle that thing in a better way and trying to learn the lessons? So anyway, that's a long kind of thing. But I think for me, endurance sports has really helped that. So now the fatigue and doing all those things, it not only helps teach my me about myself and what I can do and not do and how my mind's going to respond, but it still creates that space. And so I've been able just with my meditation skills to kind of blend those kind of things back and forth together a little bit. So it's been really helpful for me, both the meditation and doing the kind of physical stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, just to, to dive in or dig in a little bit more. Like I've been thinking about this a lot lately where really I'm thinking about like, what do, what is the outcome most people are seeking in life? And most people are kind of like seeking like freedom of some sort right like we're seeking freedom this is why i like being out at lakes and up on the mountain during sunrise and stuff like to me that's like makes me feel the freedom you know and so that's that's but like to find it there's a lot of stuff to let go of that you just mentioned like all the stuff that you're taking on that you don't even mean to take on but you are taking on like it's a lot of letting go of some of that stuff and You know, and ultimately the goal is like, you know, you won't have to run to a mountain lake to find this freedom and contentment in your life. Like you can do it at any moment, cooking dinner or you know, doing laundry. (laughs) You know, yeah,
1: no, it's really true. But I think this notion of like, you can't set something down unless you know you're holding it. You know, like sometimes, like you get into (laughs) yoga or meditation, and all of a sudden you realize, man, your shoulders are just knotted and tight, and you like clamp cramping. And like you know i think there's a thing you know somatically the brain likes to dump its bullshit into the body yeah and we don't always pay attention to that and so like you know we're you're trying to catch all that and then what is it that we can set down like what burdens you know is my spirit carrying like yeah you know and that's where so the first step is knowing the self and the second step is healing the self and that's you know especially i think with men but you know i think women too i don't do as much work with women as i do with men but like men are just so resistant to even acknowledging their wounds and then talking about like, what do I need to do to heal it? You know, and, and, and I really believe this, you know, I I do a lot with meditation and restorative dialogue circles and all that. And I I don't think injuries, it's really difficult to heal injuries unless the story has been told unless there's acknowledgement about what's going on. And I think for a lot of men and women, you know, I don't don't mean to exclude them, it's just my experience. They just, they don't wanna acknowledge the woundedness. They don't wanna talk about that and no, that's not bothering me and all that kind of stuff. And until we can kind of step into that circle and be vulnerable enough to recognize those things. And that's where I think both endurance sports and meditation and mindfulness, they kind of blend together in that way that if we are open to it and we work on developing the skill sets, we can start to see some of that stuff and build containers to hold it and then eventually set it down because there's no sense carrying all that stuff you know like what happened to us at seven eight nine, t- whenever or whatever you know we're not that person but yet it still impacts us and until we unpack it a little bit and work on it and do those kind of things um you know it just still carries it's like another rock in the backpack that you don't have to carry and so yeah. that freedom how do we get free and then like you know what are the what are the underlying rules that we've adopted from society that we're following that maybe we don't even know about you know what i mean like i don't know you you always do you, people from this neighborhood always do x y or z or people from this neighborhood never do abc mm-hmm. whatever it is and like we hear these stories and then we just eliminate that from our lives because somebody told us like grandma myrtle told somebody that oh they can't do that well sorry myrtle but you know what fuck you i can't you know what i mean <laughs> and like you know so i don't know so i'm really big on dreaming and making sure yeah. I'm somebody else's rules and what you said about finding freedom and setting it down i mean that i think is so powerful for people and people are so afraid to live that authentic life about who they really are and who they really want to be because they're worried about rejection or failure and all that kind of stuff but really the only failure is i mean think about wearing a mask and being somebody you're really not your whole life yeah and then you and then you get to the end and all the people that you were trying to impress or protect yourself from i mean who gives a shit really yeah yeah, you know what I mean? So anyway, sorry, we're digressing. No, well, well, I
0: think the whole thing that was leading me down this path was, I find a lot of people who are seekers in these endurance sports. And a sure. lot of times it starts with the physical, which is, hey, I wonder if I can run a marathon. I wonder if I can do a triathlon physically. And what they end up coming out of always is they come out with this mental journey that is way more impactful on their lives um than any physical personal record or pr you know what i mean so Absolutely. i i just think that's really interesting and i think that's kind of like one of the reasons for me even doing this podcast for all these years at this point is i love that that mental journey that people go on which is really cool
1: because bigfoot is if nothing else mindful he's a meditator yep. he has very he has a great level of self-awareness
0: And according to those commercials he really likes beef jerky you know exactly right um i want to hear so you know you (laughs) talked about two different trainings you've done two triathlons at this point what were all the mistakes training one and uh how was training two different
1: Uh, yeah so training one i had I got about six weeks out and I thought, like, I got to get going. So I was doing my normal workouts, but then I was trying to do it. So I watched some videos and I talked to people and blah, blah, blah. And so this kind of notion where they call it bricking, you know, where you got to do the two events back to back so you can kind of practice it. So the swim and bike for me, that was pretty easy to replicate. So I go to the pool and then I come back, you know, yeah, it was a half hour break, but still and get my 25 in and all that. So that whole piece and doing that, I don't think was really, but then I was really concerned my first one about the run you know, just because I hadn't been running a lot, it's kind of difficult for me, my knees are a little bit sore and all that. And then like, historically, when I was running a lot, you know, I don't know, my hip abductors got a little bit sore and all that kind of thing. So I just thought, you know, I really need to do a lot of miles. So I was bricking like a lot in weeks, like not the last two weeks, maybe the second week out, but like three, four and five out, like, like at least every other day, if not, you know, and then I would take a day of rest. And I was using at least running like you know for me pretty good distance you know at least minimum before maybe six or seven you know what I mean which is yeah. you know, the distance is six whatever and I know for a lot of people that's not a lot but that was a lot for me and then doing it on top of the other one yes and I think what I learned in that one and I was kind of listening to everybody and then you know the week of you know you're cutting back and resting and all that and I'll talk about that if you want but anyway um I guess the lesson that I learned was and then well and I'll just say then the second one I wasn't in santa fe so i didn't have all my stuff i was in tennessee you know at george's place the pool system there is not very good so i took my bike trainer and I, I basically rode bike every day really really hard yeah that's kind of what i did for the training and then he had a treadmill and i did a little bit but not very much um and i didn't swim at all for like three weeks yeah and i got back and i had like 10 days not even that no i got back and i had six days and so the week before i left so I got back and I swam on a Friday and then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then on the Thursday, because I drove over on Friday, I drove 14 hours on Friday <laughs> from Santa Fe. Not, I wouldn't recommend that either. No,
0: that's a rough one. That's a rough I know. One. And
1: so then on th- so Thursday is the first time I got my wetsuit and I did a full mile in the wetsuit just because I thought I got to do this, right? And so yeah. that's all I did. But I had been swimming up until the three weeks, but I think the conditioning and the aerobic part. The bike stuff worked you know did really well for me but the thing that was really different is i didn't have any running miles in at all like and so then i was back and then on that i came back on that thursday after that swim and they took the dog out and we always we have like a two and three quarter loop around our house we usually walk somewhere in there or maybe three and a half but anyway so i did the like two and a half mile or loop and i just ran it on the trail you know what i mean just kind of like yeah i should i should at least you know, run a mile, right? <laughs> anyway, so I did it and it was on the trail. So not on concrete, which is a huge for me. Oh, difference. no,
0: it's huge. Yeah,
1: it's yeah, so much easier. Like I didn't have I had no pain. The other thing too, I got a different pair of shoes because I won't name the shoes I got. But in the end, they were a bit too small, kind of tight. And they didn't work. So I switched up and got a different pair. And the second pair were and then on the trail too I have a a really nice pair of trail running shoes they're a little bit different you know and they were terrific too so anyway so I ran that I was like huh like I didn't really have any pain so I go that's pretty cool I was still a little bit worried about it though but anyway so I think the biggest lesson that I learned is personally bricking for me because at my age 64 I think my body had a point of fatigue that doubling up I thought I was kind of continually getting stronger and I think what happened for me is kind of toward the end, I I should have backed off more. Mm, yeah. And then really on this one, I didn't run at all. And then when I ran out there, I ran the whole thing. I didn't have any pain. I wasn't fast. Yeah. I had no pain. I ran it at a pretty good pace. And really the only thing that I felt, and so here's my, my issue is like, my, cause I don't know why this is, but like when I train really hard as I like coming out of it and I I've been doing a little magnesium and all that, but I kind of get my legs cramp a little bit. Not always. Yeah. Like if it's really hot. And so when I was in California, it was pretty hot and it was really humid down by the coast, you know, where we were at, not super humid, but it was humid enough anyway. And so, and I hadn't, I knew I hadn't been training that much. I probably over drank on the bike. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Cause I was worried about cramping, but then when you get off the bike, you got to run. And so I just felt kind of bloated, you know what I mean? A little bit full. Yeah. And I did that in the first race, I did the same thing and I because I was just kind of worried about that. So that was it. So for me personally, I don't think running for me a lot is really helpful. So I'll probably do the same thing. I'll probably keep it two to three miles on my next one and just hit it maybe once or twice a week. I'm going to rely on my bike and my swimming for my aerobic stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, if you're swimming a mile hard in 40 minutes or 35 you know, you're going fast enough and I'm not trying to kill it, but I mean, just doing the whole thing. So I would do that. And I switch off from my swim, you know, like every other day, I'll do the distance stuff a little bit faster. And I will do just all in that, like an effort. And then I'll switch off and I'll, I'll wear the big, I like the big spongy mitts emits over your hands because yeah. they get really heavy yeah and so it's like lifting weights you know like i know the guys some people really like those little plastic ones so they're super light and you get the pull which is great but there's something about where you know when they start to weigh two and a half pounds so then I don't do quite the same distance, but I do. It's more of a power workout. Yeah. Like rest stroke and that. So I've kind of changed. And that has worked really well for me, too, because I think it works different muscle groups. But that strength training, I think, in the water has really helped me a lot as well. So switch that up. And I feel pretty good about, you know, I, I feel OK about not running that much because I think my body, knees and hips are a lot fresher. So yeah. for me, that works better. And I'm not like I'm not going to win the race, the run anyway. You know what I mean? So it's like the less pain I have to endure on the 6.2 mile run, the better for me. So yes, those things. And I don't, and I didn't really, I only bricked like twice, you know, that whole prep on the last one. And so that was really different as well. So I don't know. And then I guess the other thing, the one thing I will say this, the first one, because I had worked out so hard, like when I got on the bike, well, and the first one, I don't know if you know this, but the weather was
0: so bad the night before they had like an eight foot surge
1: in the Bay in Tampa okay so they canceled the swim
0: oh you know what man i think i listened to you and uh emma's podcast yeah. about it and i remember so, she said that and i was like oh my goodness and they like added the a run
1: yeah they added an extra two miles to the run <laughs> like i'm like what the heck anyway so that was and then the next day of course it was 100 calm but they'd already banned any boats you know for yeah one day. we didn't know about the weather so then the 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 organizers they couldn't have the little kayaks and stuff out there protecting people and doing all that so they had i mean i get it but so they added so we opened with the, the two mile run then we did the bike and then we had to come back for the six mile run.
0: that's rough to do a run and then get on a bike and then do a run again you know
1: so but i will say because i had trained so hard and this is where you know people talk about having confidence in things and um michael survey talks about this he's a mental sp- sports kind of prep dude great podcast if you listen to him but anyway Um, but he, he, he has this little worksheet, but one of the things that really clarified for me, I've always kind of understood this, but it's like, you know, where do I want to go and what do I want to do and what am I confident about? But then the next line of this little journal process is what have I done to earn confidence? Mm. So, you know, and so like, I do believe in visualization and affirmations, but like not, you can't just affirm, like I'm super and never gonna work out. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you got like, you know, and I think people do like, I'm gonna be super wealthy and then watch TV all day. Like, that's not the shit that happens. So yeah, oh, we got company, but my cat, was- my
0: cat, my cat wandered in.
1: Oh, that's great. So I I mean, I really I do believe in that. And so I was just gonna say on the first race, I had conditioned so hard. Like when I got on the bike, that is the fastest 25 miles. I've ever ridden in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Now it was, it was a flat course and it was really well, you know, it's totally blocked off and all that. And you weren't in it. And it was a really big course. So that part was really great. So uh, yeah, I mean, that part was really I was like I averaged over 20 miles an hour for 25 miles, which for me is like that was that's really big. Yeah. No, that's that huge. Was, that was really booking for me. So I did really good on the bike. And then of course I had to get off and do the six mile run. And I was that was it was like painful
0: but (laughs) but you're you're 100 right about the confidence thing like the preparation is going to build that confidence because i'll tell you know students this because you know one of the biggest fears for a middle schooler is public speaking and you know that's something i have to do every single day and but i remember being terrified of it too and i'm like part of the reason you guys are terrified of this is because you're not prepared you don't know what you're gonna say like if you do the work, you're going to be way less terrified of doing this. And then you're going to be more comfortable with it. Right. You know, know
1: your material, have
0: an outline, practice it.
1: Yeah. And then try not to read your notes too much, but you
0: know, it's like, it's
1: just a thing you do. And so, I mean, I think that part's really important too. So that I would say the really difference on the second one, like when I swam, because I hadn't been, you know, those three weeks, I, you know, I'd kind of biked, but I hadn't. And then the open water swim, it was like the weather wasn't bad, but like the, there wasn't a current, but the waves were you know I mean? You had to like, yeah. Pay attention. Um, and, and so I kind of stayed, I never redlined at all the whole race, you know what I mean? Cause I just was kind of worried about, cause I hadn't been working out that as much. So I was kind of in that 75%, you know, kind of going hard, but like not, um, which would have been fun to be a little bit better for the swim and the bike particularly, but I mean, it was okay. I mean, my, my swim time was like 42 minutes, you know, for my first ocean, you know, like that. And
0: that's that really- yeah, that's amazing.
1: Well, I mean, it was okay. I mean, the, Geez, the guy won. I don't know. Like you know, they did it in twenty minutes or something. It
0: was well. So yeah, my so my doctor out here, Doctor Bill. He's the coolest dude. Uh, he was a swimmer at University of Iowa. Weirdly enough. Oh yeah. And uh, I was telling him like, yeah, Doctor Bill, like I've been swimming for workouts and stuff. And he's like, what do you do? I'm like, I oh, usually try to do like a mile. You know, I think that's a good. And, uh, I was like, how long did it take you to do a mile in college? And he told me, and I was like, dude, it takes me over two times as long.
1: (laughs) All right. I know that's, and they're doing all the flip and I don't really do a flip turn because I don't flip in the open water. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I don't know. And maybe that would be better for me, but anyway, so I know guys are super fast, but I'm more of a, I'm kind of a long-term grinder. So maybe I'll have to extend that. So we'll see.
0: I like that. You need shirts that just say long-term grinder, you know, like Like, I'm just going to Not super fast, but I'm getting it done.
1: I'll be here all day. Don't (laughs) worry. I might, you know, whatever it takes, but like, I'm going to get her done. So, well,
0: so so Emma, Emma wanted me to ask you about how many wetsuits, uh, you went through for your first one. She, that was one of, I asked your daughter, I was like, Hey, what, uh, what should I ask your dad? So like a month
1: (laughs) before the first one. So I get on there and then they send out this email and it talks so the water temperature. So for out there, and then this is a. I can't remember what the, or it's US or whatever. There's an acronym for the organizing body. Like they certify all these. Yeah. So then if it's like 78 to 82 degrees or something, there's a cutoff where you can't wear a sweat wetsuit. And then there's one where you can wear a sweatsuit or there's just all these different ranges. Yeah. So then I was, you know, then I'm reading. And so then they have these, so you have your tri-kit, which is a one piece and it's got your bike pad in it and all that. And then you swim in that and then you do that well if you swim in that but if it's if you can't wear a wetsuit because it's too warm then they have these little they go over the top of it and they're kind of they're not really a wetsuit but they're kind of the sheen and they make you more aerodynamic okay well so i went through like three of those because i couldn't find anything like they make them for all these like cross-country dudes you know what i mean and so (laughs) like you know i like i'm nobody makes a triple extra large like i'm i'm only like i'm like 210 215 ish but apparently a little too thick at the top I mean I don't know so I was going through those ripped a couple out trying to find them you know and then I'm like what the hell okay and then um, so then wetsuits so I get so I get the full sleeve one and I get that and like the first time I go to swim in it and I don't know anything so then I put and I put my tri-kit underneath it so that you have this cloth I got a sleeveless one then I put the full suit over it. I swam two laps and I've been swimming a shit ton. Yeah. Sorry. And I thought I was going to suffocate and die. I like, it felt like it was like getting tighter every time I swam. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so that was awful. So I go like, dude, dude that's not going to work. So I switched that out. I got a larger one. And so that finally, so I had to, I finally found a double XL that was okay, but I still haven't swam in that very much. And then, so I, I'm, I try like two weeks out from the first one, I'm like trying to swim in that thing every day. And it's like not working you're
0: not getting used to it because your thought probably is hey i'm gonna do this i'll get used to it and i'll be good
1: right and because everybody like when you read it and you are there's no doubt you're faster in a suit because you have buoyancy and the water dynamics everything it's just supposed to be easier but like i'm suffocating it's like like i don't know so it's i'm a head case so i'm like just keep swimming slow down just keep but anyway so finally i say screw it so i get a shorty which has no sleeves and is cut off at the knees right because a lot of my problem was like, I'm too long, I, a little bit, yeah. guess, And that kept like pulling it down. And then it was like really constricting. I don't know. So the shorty worked great. And then the other thing I figured out was you got to lube, you got to like a run or a bike, you got to lube like shit. So when I did the race down there for the swim, I mean, you lube your body, your shoulders, and then you lube on top of your tri-kit because you're wearing that. And then I'd lube the entire interior of the wetsuit with like yeah. gasoline. Yeah. And It was like, like nothing it's just like moving on your body and so it wasn't like constricting at all so in the open water swim in california the second one i did it was a it took me it was still kind of was like you know but once i got going i got through the first quarter mile like i didn't have to worry about it again so it was okay but so that was I, the
0: key is just vaseline everywhere for me it yeah. really
1: made a huge difference you know i finally liked uh i finally i don't know i, I was going through another podcast or something and i heard somebody like well, no shit. like we use that for biking and like if you're running you know you do your chest so you don't yeah. raw and all that stuff like well no kidding so then i just like the night before i lubed the whole thing on you know, i had it inside out and it was just like glistening you know like so it <laughs> on anyway and i did the same thing for the second one and when i did swim and uh i thought it worked really well so i don't i don't know what other people do like i said i'm 64 it's only my second one i don't have a clue about what i'm really doing but i'm figuring out as
0: i go So, but isn't that cool so i think i mean so i just today was my first day back at school for my 12th year of teaching and we i know thank you thank you uh survived 12 years uh so we always talk about being lifelong learners and also like trying to inspire that in our students like people you want to be constantly learning you don't want to be get stagnant in what you think and how you see the world and stuff and i think that's really cool about doing a new sport like you can be 64 and you can be learning new things and you can constantly be learning these new new things if you're open to it
1: yeah i think that's really true and I, you know and like when i started bricking and doing the runs and going from three miles to four miles to five miles to six miles that was really a mental thing for me like yeah. it was like when i got on and did my first three miler and i hadn't run for a long time like about and then i'm like okay and i'd set it out like week by week i was going up a mile Yeah. And it was like when I started hitting six miles each time and then they started not like they started, it was like just I knew how to do it and I got there. But that progression for me and I know a lot of people, they zip off a 10 miler, no big deal. But like for me, that's not a thing. So the mental aspect of it, like staying in it, that was I found that really I don't want to say like super rewarding because I wasn't like fast. But like it's still when you set your mind to it and you just keep taking one step in front of the other, it just, you know, like what your body can actually do is just I mean it's amazing. It really it is. is. You know, yeah. and so and then and then getting your mind to just keep up with your body because if your mind can just stay in the fight, like it's it's unbelievable what you can do. And it's I think that's really true with so many different things. And so if you're just putting the time in and you keep taking small steps, I mean, and you're just all moving in the same direction, so many great things can happen to you if you just keep working at it.
0: Yeah. No, it's I I feel the same way about swimming. Every single lap I'm like I want to quit, <laughs> like, and when you're facing like I want to quit through every second of a workout, it's yeah. so good. It's such a good mental toughness workout, you know. Right. Which I there's love. no doubt.
1: I know, and every time, so I leave Santa Fe, but like we're at seven thousand feet, right? So where I swim, so I go to Tennessee. I hadn't swam, then you come back. So Tennessee's like you know, whatever, hundred feet or something. They're not, probably more than that, but yeah. Anyway, and then you come back to seven thousand feet. You know, the first <laughs> swim is like. Oh my, you know, you swim two laps. You're like, your lungs are burning out of your chest and all that, but it comes back pretty good. I mean, cause you I've done it before, but it's just like, it's a thing, but I think yeah. that helped too. The altitude is pretty good here.
0: Oh yeah, you know, for sure. Back. Well, so I have like a couple more things to ask you and then okay. I know you just, you got back, so you gotta go. You just got home from a uh, crazy travels and stuff. Um, I did want to ask you really quick about Santa Fe. Uh, you guys have been, you know, like i met you in Iowa city. You've been in, you mentioned to me, you've been in Wisconsin all over the place. You're like Johnny cash. You've been everywhere. Uh, but I want to ask like, settling down in Santa Fe in the Southwest, like, do you feel like this is where you belong? Like, how does where you live kind of affect you? I guess.
1: Well, I will say one thing about, um, uh, you know, it's a, There's kind of, you know, there's always all these trade-offs. And so obviously, you know, living where you grew up and have all your family and your connections and stuff, there is a real thing to that. And I, you know, I I don't know exactly. And I think for some people that's more important or stronger than for others, you know, I guess, I guess I've been a searcher and an adventurer and inquisitive and all that kind of stuff my whole life. And so trying to find new places and see what they got and all that it's always been like i've always loved that so and you know just don't get george plugged in like you know he went to four different schools in one year and all this stuff you know the trauma inflicted on him and all that stuff but <laughs> anyway so i guess you know the santa fe thing for us you know uh we love for years and years well you remember new york west we used to go out all the time like every summer yeah you know, for like you were the years.
0: first people that tell me about 14ers
1: yeah we, we'd we come out here camp for a few days and we climb a 14 er with the kids. Uh, and it was just the best. I just, it was so beautiful and I really loved it. So then we always kind of had Colorado in our heads. Um, and the short story is that I came out for, I was kind of looking for a different job and I came out for an interview with a place just outside of Denver up in the mountains. And it was like October. It was like, it was cold as shit. And I was like, okay, I love the mountains. You know, and I was talking to the guy I was interviewing and we got done and I go, how is it? And he goes, you know what, if you love to ski, it's great. (laughs) Ski, He goes i'd probably i might look somewhere else and i was like i, I like skiing but like you know it ain't my world <laughs> and like it was and it was so gray it was cloudy it was kind of raining ice you know like, pelt, you yeah. like cutting your like that shit, you know and i was just like i, I don't know anyway and then uh, we'd been through santa fe a bunch and then so jan is a black and white photographer loves art and so santa fe huge Very art arts, district here, yeah. all that kind of stuff Seven thousand feet and then you sit in the basin of three different mountain ranges mainly the southern range of the rocky mountains are to the west and the santa Cristi mountains are on the east of us and we sit right in the bowl right between them and so that's cool you've got and so the ski mountain here is like i don't know ten thousand plus, and then you're an hour from 12 and thirteen thousand foot mountains up by mount wheeler north of taos um and so you have mountain access and then i'm i'm four hours from the colorado border so you yeah know, it's it's really so i guess and then just I, and then the other thing is because Georgian and Claro is in California, and then being a mountain times one hour, it's only one hour difference in two hours in Central yeah. Time, so that's a little bit easier too. But I do just love you know the whole mountain range thing. I can I can live in this whole zone from Canada almost to Mexico. We were talking Arizona's a little hot for me. Like I love being at seven thousand because even Albuquerque because it's quite a you know it's a drop down there. So I I really like it. Um, altitude is great. I love living at altitude, just kind of the oxygen and all that kind of stuff. And then yeah. I have mountains everywhere to. Like I can just disappear for three days, you know. I got a rooftop uh tent that pops up on top of my yeah. truck. And it's just like I can go, I don't need anything, take the dog with me, and I'm all set. So it's been really good. And and I think, you know, the one thing that Jan and I we really talked about, and not everybody's like this, but I think for us, uh waking up in the morning and being inspired by the location that we're at. And inspiration yeah. for everybody's different. So this isn't like a knock on anybody, like. I've seen some unbelievable sunrises over an Iowa cornfield in June, yep. you know, corn's 10 feet tall, it's glistening, it's beautiful and all that kind of stuff. So that for me personally is not as inspiring as yeah. looking at mountains or, you know, or the ocean, you know, those two things for me have always have resonated with. And I just feel like this super deep connection. I mean, I, I can leave here and within an hour spend two or three days at twelve thousand feet without any problem you know yeah. what i mean it, it just and i really enjoy
0: that so. well and it's the nature stuff it's just like an instant reminder of how small you are but in a good way you know
1: yeah right yeah. and then just i think energetically too connecting you know and i, I don't want to like but this whole notion of mother earth you know and just i think there's a grounding there and i in a way i feel like the more separated we are from i mean we're just we're part of a planet you know and it they call it a planet because it's plants. You yeah. Know? yeah. And like, and we disconnect ourselves from the roots and the growing and the energy of the earth and just all those kind of things. And I just feel like when you get out and you see snakes moving and bears walking <laughs> and bugs going and leaves blowing and rivers, it's just like, it just, re- you just feel that kind of connection. And I just feel like, and we talked about setting things down. I just feel like, I always feel like the earth is available to me is a way to let go of the things that I'm carrying even when I don't know all the things that I'm carrying and I just feel like there's this healing property of the earth if we can just get off the concrete and just get away from everything yeah and just be there cuz like when you go for those runs and you're up on that peak or bridge and you look down and there's that lake or that pond or that whatever and you there's just i don't know i don't know how to explain that for folks if it, if they haven't done that and don't experience it cuz it is just so refreshing and I feel aligned. I feel centered, you know? And then all of a sudden, like a breeze will come over the top, clouds apart, the sun pops out. And you're just like, dude, you know, like <laughs> you talk about feeling stoned. It's just like, <laughs> you know, you, you hike up this mountain and like, oh, it's just like unbelievable. And you're just like, wow, why do I yeah. live here? You know, that's how you feel. So anyway, yeah, totally, no, totally agree with you. That's
0: beautiful. Yeah, for sure, man. Um it's Really good stuff. To wrap up okay what last thing hidden pearls podcast season three is starting you and emma and george season four sorry that's okay. Edit. <laughs> it's all good no that's okay really? it's been four that's amazing all right sweet yeah. so season four is starting yeah. uh i'm psyched for it uh i can't wait to kind of like follow along that journey but i will give a special shout out to mindful mondays with bruce kittle sure. you just drop wisdom you're just giving sermons it's a great way to start the week and uh I don't really have even have a question I just want to say thank you for doing that I think it's really really cool
1: well I appreciate it it's been a journey for me too but um it's it's a great thing all we did we just breathe a little bit and try to kind of incorporate a little I don't know I'm big on metaphors and so just seeing things in life that we encounter is a way to kind of I know those are, those help me. It's like a little key to a doorway. And so if I have a way to kind of relate to it in a way that's not quite as complex, sometimes yeah. I can actually apply something that makes my life a little bit easier. So anyway, just trying to share some of those things. And yeah, we have a great lineup. So we just posted uh, the Ninja Yogi, uh, Yante yeah. Amo. So she was great. Uh, so we have that. And we've got, uh, if you guys know Trevor Hall musicians, yeah. so he's got a new album coming out and so we just recorded him last week. So Trevor's on and that was really great. He's amazing and so talented. And if yeah, people are in one of my little sidetracks. So I love the mindfulness, you know, and the mental prep to athleticism and everything. But I think the other edge for me is is the dance I call it dancing with the muse. Yeah. But like the the notion of creativity for people and how do how do people get into that creative flow state? And what is their relationship to that essence of creativity? So there's all kinds of books out there, you know, and do, and talk about that. And Trevor, I mean, it was a really powerful conversation about what he kind of considers, you know, his ability to tap into this yeah. thing. You yeah. know what I mean? And how he does it and, and how that translates into music and words and writing songs and all that kind of stuff. It was so beautiful. And I just think that kind of thing and just... The way, because I think everybody's a creative in their own way. It's just we have to kind of work at figuring out what our creative is. Like you being with kids all day, right? There's a creative process There's to that, a lot, organizing yeah. a day, yeah. Keeping them, ha- you know, moving all that, and it's same with football. Like I never thought I was creative, but like
0: when you football is creative, it is.
1: Like coaching online, line, like putting yeah. individual drills together and teaching different processes, and then doing film and all that kind of stuff. So just finding out that level of creativity, but understanding what your gift is, and then that the muse, like. Cause your energetic creativity, like, I don't really think it belongs to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's an energy outside of us that kind of lives with us. And as long as we respect it and don't abuse it, it'll flow through us. But like, there's this balance, you know, and all that. Anyway, it was really great with Trevor on that one. Then we, I said, we had Travis Kelsey on, then we have a veteran Bob Taylor on who is. uh, uh he was a b-52 bomber navigator wow and so we kind of went through that he wrote a great book called service to success coming out and just about transitions for the military so that was really i love
0: the like diversity of guests that you guys have
1: yeah so and we're just trying to back we really talk about transitions because we've done a lot with veterans and the mental part of making those transitions and our hope is that that really transfers to other people's lives because we all face if people haven't figured this out yet, right, as soon as you kind of figure out your stage of life, it changes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because your kids, like, your kids get older, so you go through this preschool, and then you go through this junior high stage, and then you go to high school, and then they go to college, and it's like, every one of those stages, you and your partner, you're changing and evolving. Your kids are all changing. Your life is changing, and so there's really no stagnant part of your life, and as soon as you think you got it figured out, life will smack you side the head. So it's beautiful that way. So anyway, so we've got a lot of really good ones. We're pretty excited. So we're doing our pregame NFL season show with George next week. So that will nice. coming out. And then we'll be doing a weekly show. And we'll have a lot of NFL guests during the show. So I appreciate the plug. And I thank you very much for that. And then they can look for, so Emma's got a new platform coming out. So we're going to have recorded meditations and yoga and some other kind of movement stuff for people. So if they like some of the other things that we're doing, there's an opportunity. It's kind of a little subscription thing. It's not going to be crazy, but just yeah. so people want just to kind of have a community to kind of hang out with and all that kind of stuff. So that's popping here. I don't
0: know. Do you know week. what that's going to be called, or has she uh, is she still kind of working those details?
1: Um. Well, she's one name she talks about all the time is recipes for wellness. So it's kind of cooking, but it's also like all the things that go together. Mm-hmm. Then, um. But I think it still be connected to Hidden Pearl. So okay, I, I should probably know that
0: because she's kind of been. She's gonna just beat the.
1: <laughs>
0: well maybe I'll, I'll text her and then i'll put it in the outro or whatever all right so she's
1: probably got a link already for it so anyway <laughs> yeah so, well yeah. i appreciate hey, listen man thanks for letting me ramble, No, man it's always
0: good to catch up always seriously i've i really appreciated um just the wisdom and everything you've brought into the world and my life and all that so thank you
1: all right well next colorado trip we'll get hooked up and we'll Maybe we can get a 14er and I was going to try to do, Amazing. I really want to do Ebert on the way back, but I just, I didn't have time this week to do it. So yeah, uh, I got, I did Wheeler this year. So I kind of got back into the little bit of
0: a, I haven't there. done one yet. And I'm like, I have to do it before fall hits, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, let
1: me know when you're going. So we'll see. But yeah. So, but it's, it's, it's a super cool thing. So, all right. Yeah. Well, take care of the fam. We love awesome. seeing all your posts run by the rivers and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. All right. Man. All right talk to you later. Care. Yep. All bye. Right,
0: bye. All righty, that wraps up this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Uh, Huge thanks to Bruce for coming on, as always, uh, sharing his wisdom, sharing his stories. Uh, I'm hoping to hear a lot more stories from a lot more um, amazing triathlons, mountain climbing, all that stuff uh, from Bruce as we continue this podcast into the future uh once again though i'm going to say this i I said in the intro but i found these things really powerful um they have an amazing series of guests lined up for the show this year um for the hidden pearls podcast uh and i highly suggest you all check that out um it's going to be amazing they're getting people from all walks of life which is really really cool um but also the Mindful Mondays, if you want more wisdom from Bruce, uh, and you want just kind of a, uh, kind of guided meditation, um, I highly, highly, highly recommend those, um, to check those out. So, uh, really enjoyed this week's episode. Um, it was awesome, and I think, I think it ties in really well with last week's when we talked a lot about fear and why it's important to. Not try to outrun it, but try to bring it in to your life in a healthy way. And I think Bruce really gets at that as well, which is basically like, you know, your feelings, your emotions, you're not going to you're not going to escape from them. You're not going to be able to just push them down and run away. Um, You have to find a way to recognize them and then bring them into your life, invite them in in a way that is useful and and in a way that uplifts you and i think that's really really huge and i talked a little bit about it in the intro last week but um you know i work with with teenagers um and i think there's a messaging going out right now especially to teenage boys uh of this idea of you know masculinity means never having emotions i think it gets i think the message gets skewed because i think um maybe the intent was to not let your emotions control your behaviors in certain moments um but then that message gets twisted into you shouldn't have emotions um to be successful which is not a healthy thing to do and it's also um it's just not a good strategy moving forward it's just not realistic so Uh, I think one thing that I really um, appreciate about Bruce and his philosophies and his guided meditations is you get to recognize these emotions and you're going to have them, you know, you get to recognize uh, these struggles that you have. You can't avoid them, you know, and I think there's a lot of messaging out there right now that's like, no, you shouldn't have problems. You should be able to avoid problems by Uh, not showing emotions or really not caring you know it's this apathy and granted I teach at a middle school and apathy is a common trait in all teenagers Um, but it just seems like over the last few years this message of apathy has really been pushed as like a good thing and that's never a good thing I think there's some song that says the opposite of love is indifference and yeah, so I'm like, dude, you can't have indifference to everything. Like you have to be able to um kind of have this self-understanding, and I think Bruce is really good at helping people, um all sorts of people, whether it's NFL athletes or whether it's um you know, high school kids that he's coached or or just people he's talked to or affected through um their podcast, but I think he has this really good message of um, self-discovery you know and I think that's what doing the triathlon has been to him as these endurance sports have been to all like a bunch of us right is it's this doorway into self-discovery uh, that I think is so important you have to understand yourself um, and you know and I think that's one of the fun parts of life is is exploring the world around you the external world But also through that and through this physicality um, of doing like an endurance sport, you also get to explore the internal world of yourself. And uh, it's powerful when you do that, when you actually take time to do that and you're not caught up in the wave of busyness, that is so incredibly powerful. And you realize um, that these emotions that it brings up in you From self-discovery these are the things that make life worth living you know it it really is and um, is what makes this experience on earth such a unique thing um, for all of us individually is uh, the situations we're in and our responses to those situations so um, I just think it's something really interesting to explore this is really just me talking to myself as a reminder because Uh, This is the end of the first week of school and I can already tell you, um, you know, my time to just sit and contemplate and chill as a teacher in summer is like a lot different uh, as a teacher once school starts. And I do have to remind myself to take that time, find those areas where I can just kind of sit down relax, gather my thoughts, um, kind of go internal, I guess. Um, and sometimes that's on a run and sometimes that's just sitting out on my porch, drinking a cup of coffee in the morning, but getting a little more, giving myself grace in the fact that I don't have to be so busy all the time. And that's not, that actually doesn't serve me in the ways that I think it does. So, uh, anyways, I think that's really important. Uh, yeah. Anyways, thank you all for joining the show. Next week, we have an amazing episode with Eliza Sampi. She is a bike packing athlete, uh, ultra cyclist. Um, she is absolutely amazing. She has a wonderful, incredible story uh, recovered from um, an injury to go on and set an FKT Uh, It is an awesome story. I really love talking with her. I learned a lot from her as well. So uh, join us then and we will get back to you then. Have a good week.